Charles McDammit, and we have another wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Lives for you guys tonight. So, without further ado, your host, Dane Alves. Alright, we're gonna have to fire that guy. Sorry about that. Anyways, how are you guys doing out there? It's your host of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Dane Alves, for another enticing episode of, of this great show in which we break down all the wrestling news from the last week. We had a little thing called Elimination Chamber. Um, and me and, of course, my co-host, how are you doing, Chris? Doing wonderful, man. Long day at work, but uh, we're here talking wrestling, so it's already getting a little better. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we're just going we're, we're gonna to break this down for you. We're going to talk about the news. If you're new uh, to Wrestling Geeks Alliance, thanks for listening. Um, you know, every week we kind of just go over all the big events in wrestling, the news items. There's a pay-per-view. And also, uh, Wrestling Geeks Alliance is a part of a bigger affiliation called Geek Vibes Nation. Check out our website at gvnation.com. Uh, there you can find articles for wrestling, sports, and more of the geeky things, if you will. Not that those aren't. Uh, like video games, you know, comic book movies, comic books themselves, movies by themselves, everything. Also has links to our Instagram, our Twitter, and our Facebook for Geek Vibes Nation. And also broadcasts our different, multiple, wonderful podcasts uh, over on Blog Talk Radio for iTunes and Stitcher. So go there, check it out, you know, and get back to us. All of our wonderful fans, uh, thank you guys for listening like you always do. And uh, remember, uh, as long as you don't give, you know, us too much guff, uh, luckily I don't have a Twitter page because I think I would get a bunch of, like, you know, wonderful uh, – Wonderful messages, but, um, you know, message us. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think of the show and uh, our opinions. So let's, uh, without further ado, kind of start talking about some of these news items, Chris. Uh, we got a couple of fun. Uh, so, you know, we'll start off with the news that, as a whole group, a whole unit, DX will be inducted. They are the first, and I believe the headline for this year, to be inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, there is a lot of layers to this. Um, obviously, there's the uh, red herring, or not the red herring, but the, uh, the, the, the big thing that we kind of all, us wrestling fans, see is this is a way to put China in the Hall of Fame without actually putting China in the Hall of Fame. Now... You know, there's good things about that. There's bad things about that. Uh, China's mom, um, from what I read, is very happy about this. You know, it just – Joni past DX was her, probably her best time period. That's where she did some dominant stuff like challenge for the World Heavyweight title and, and have the Intercontinental title and be the first woman to be in the Royal Rumble, stuff like that. But still, there's that. Also – you know, now that we have Sean, who's going to be the second person that's the, uh, you know, a two-time 
uh, uh, Hall of Famer like Ric Flair. Uh, there's also rumors that we got that uh, the Hart Foundation, Brett, uh, Jim, and also uh, Jimmy are going to be also inducted this year. That would make Brett a two-time. What we realize is that it would be a long time before China would get in. It would be a long time before Xbox got in. Triple H probably will go in sometime soon, but this I'm sure that he himself will even extend himself for a later date because of this. And also the New Age Outlaws, who I would assume, you know, I mean, back then they were up there and in the same category for top tag team as the Dudley Boys, as the Hardys. Actually, they were doing it beforehand with APA and stuff. So um, I'm happy that all of them are getting inducted as a group. I, I, I kind of have criticism towards Triple H about the China thing. But at the same time, I also think it's kind of big of him to put the group in and get China a part of that, if you will, if he's a part of any of the thinking, I'm assuming he is, um, and not have himself go in because really Triple H should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Triple H, just like The Rock, just like The Undertaker, fuck John Cena, all of those guys definitely need to be in there sometime soon. But anyways, Chris, I know I was just rambling and, and, and laying it all out for you, but uh, how do you feel about the first inductees as a group of D-Generation X for the Hall of Fame? I think it's really cool. Uh, I think it is a good way to get China in without opening the door to a bunch of controversy around China and, and some choices that she had made in her career and things of that, like that, of that nature, the reason that she's probably been kept out, you know, aside from being Triple H's ex-girlfriend prior to Stephanie. Um, it's I don't know it's a weird scenario. There's a lot of there's you know there's members of DX that definitely don't stand on their own Hall of Fame worthy wise. I mean I I you know like for instance the New Age Outlaws would not make it in there by themselves more than likely when you start stacking them up against some other tag teams uh, throughout the history of time. But you know maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe they end up being two time uh, members for the different things that they've done. It's it's interesting to see, you know, DX be the next foundation that's kind of put in. Um, something they haven't talked about is Rick Rude. He was one of the original members of DX. It was Rick Rude, China, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels. That's how DX started. Uh, and then it, you know, it branched out after Shawn retired, after his match with uh, Stone Cold and, and Mike Tyson, which debatably is the start of what we know as the WWF Attitude Era and their first real run against WCW when WCW kind of started tilting the scale. So it's a little weird not to see someone like Recruit even get a nod. So I'm hoping they do something there where they mentioned, you know, he was an original member of DX. Um, but I think it makes sense with what they're trying to do. And they definitely needed a big get for the Hall of Fame, like we've talked about on previous episodes, being that they're running it on Saturday against Ring of Honor and all of these other wrestling events that are going to be going on at the same time, where in previous years it was on Friday night and kind of more of a laid-back event. Uh, like now, if you're a wrestling fan, you have to make the choice. Do you want to go see DX get inducted, or do you want to go watch Ring of Honor versus New Japan in at Madison Square Garden. So it's it's a weird kind of situation, but I get why they're doing it. And, uh, you know, hopefully people will just put all that aside and just enjoy the fact that the X is getting put in. I guess I'm wondering who will induct them. Who inducts DX? Who is it? You know, I guess the 
to me, DX's runs were, were, were mostly against The Rock um, and Stone Cold. Those would be the two obvious people to induct DX, but I don't know if they would go out. I mean, I guess that would be my like idea. You, is who do you think inducts them? Mick Foley. Mick Foley is someone that not only fought with Triple H and against uh, members of DX uh, when they went bad, obviously, with the corporation, uh, but and also has a history, him and um, whatchamacallit, Chainsaw Charlie, against uh, the New Age Outlaws before they became part of DX. Um, but he also won the championship title uh, because of their and also Stone Cold's help. So there is history between him and them. Um, other than that, uh, maybe uh, maybe Kevin Nash, because he's friends with most of them. I don't know. It, it's, uh, it's actually kind of hard. It's almost something that's like maybe Vince should. Maybe Vince should just get up there and uh, induct him himself because, you know, The Rock's another idea. I like that idea as well. Um, but I do like I do like Mick Foley. He's got a lot of um, history with all the guys, and uh, I don't think he would be a bad person uh, to get to induct them. Uh, if I'll, I, I don't know how you feel about that. I'll try to think of someone else uh, while you're responding. No, I think Mick Foley would be a great a great choice as well. Definitely his feuds with Triple H towards the end of DX, towards the end of uh, Foley's actual run, his first retirement, I should say, before he headed out to Impact and did some other things after after his, you know, run in, in WWE towards the end of the Attitude Era, say. But I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, like, you, like you said, you can definitely say, you know, he had, he had that experience there going against... Um, from everyone from the New Age Outlaws with Terry Funk as his partner to, uh, you know, a few matches with Sean uh, and then, you know, working with Sean and The Undertaker with those angles and then uh, later on definitely with Triple H and the rest of the guys. So, I mean, he would definitely be a good choice. I don't know where he's currently at WWE, what the stature is, how they feel about him. Mick Foley is a big name. I think, you know, if you're looking for your ratings to try to help this event out. You would try, I mean, obviously if you're going to get the rock at this point is to duck the rock. So I don't think, I mean, I think that's a little bit, but stone cold, I think could also be a good choice um, to do something like this. Now there's these damn bastards. All right. These guys (laughs) called the generation X. They, 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 uh, what? Um, yeah, the, I, I just thought, I thought of a, if you wanted to go possibly not with a classic name and kind of do more of a, of a tribute, I, I don't think they do this normally at uh, the events, but hey, maybe uh, it would be kind of fitting, especially because of AEW coming out, if you will, but um, get uh, AJ and the uh, the brothers to go on stage and induct them and just say how much they meant to them or stuff like that, or maybe even Finn Balor if you want to put all the club members or if you really want to, I mean, I guess it would give them some exposure. This is for the diehard fans, so I'm pretty sure the diehard fans know who the Undisputed Era are. The Undisputed Era have that DX quality. They're all influenced uh, by, by DX as a group and everything, and they're being trained by, you know, one of the biggest members, and the other one is, is leading their organization with Triple H and Shawn Michaels. So they kind of have those ties. So if you wanted to do something different, and since it's a group going in, have a, some wrestlers up there, you know, whether it be the Undisputed Era or the club, you know, and then just be able to list some accolades about them and what they meant to them as fans, because obviously 
it helped out their careers in ways, you know, but between their different factions and stuff. Maybe that's a good idea. I don't know. Yeah, I, I could see that as well. I mean, they they did that to some extent. If you're just drawing comparisons to Freebird, you know, the Freebirds and the New Day, they they did something oh, similar. Yeah. So it's not it's not out of the question. I think you know, fought for undisputed error. I I would hope that you would somehow build them into WrestleMania if they're going to get that spot. But um, yeah, it's not. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, especially because they're being trained. They're working with Sean at the Performance Center and Triple H is booking NXT. So in a lot of ways, that makes sense. Um, I still kind of want the big name. I want the guy that, you know, worked with him through that time period. So a Mick Foley or an Austin to me makes perfect sense. I think The Rock would make great sense as well. I just, that one just seems yeah. so, so far out there. Uh, I, I feel like if you were getting The Rock, you know, he would be doing his own own thing. Hopefully when the rock gets inducted, he just inducts himself. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out of Dwayne Johnson and then does his own speech to induct himself. That would be perfect rock. But, uh, rock, yeah, rock who, who would you, who would you like to uh, induct you? Uh, I'm going to actually pay the uh, hologram of Nelson Mandela. Yep. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Well, be knowing how much the rock, yeah. Knowing how much The Rock talks about Kevin Hart, it'd probably be Kevin Hart. <laughs> oh, my God, that'd be great. But, like, get the big show to come out and hold him up to the podium, you know, so, like, he can get up there because he's, he's small, have him fight Hornswoggle that year. Anyways, um, yeah, but either way, I think that both of me, me and you are excited for many different reasons for DX to be inducted. You know, I think eventually even China would go in. I think eventually even the New Age Outlaws would go in as a tag team. I think eventually Xbox would go in, and Triple H definitely would. Sean already's in there. But as a team now, all of them get their rings. All of them get – because, I mean, even though it's DX, this is still all their careers individually to an extent and what they did with each other uh, to get themselves over. So, awesome. Good stuff, right? Yeah, agreed. I, I'm looking forward to seeing them get inducted. I don't have any qualms with it at all. I mean, I do think it is, like you said, a workaround to get China in, but at the same time, you know... At least she's in. Yeah, at least she's in, but none of these people are fucking bad wrestlers either. You know, even outside yeah. of China, if you look at that group and what they did for wrestling during the time period, I mean, driving a tank all to innovative. go against WCW and um, even the original iteration of DX fucking, like, saying suck it on TV was kind of a big, a big deal at the time. Uh, you know, for everything you could say about Austin, you could definitely point to Sean and Triple H and go, well, they, you know, they helped kick that off as well. So, it's well-deserved. I kind, Like I said, I, I hope there is a nod to Rick Rude being a part of it because he is also someone that is not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. That I believe no, he should is. be in the Hall of Fame. Did he they, oh, yeah, he did. Individually. Individually. Yep. So, so, I think that's unfortunately. I I I agree with you. I think it's unfortunately they don't want. I think I I, this is going to sound stupid. They only want certain people to get more than one ring, Um, which is whatever. I guess uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame probably has a similar type of concept, but you know Rick, Sean, and possibly Brett are three people that are. And eventually, when NWO goes in, Hulk Hogan's going to get a second ring. So. That, I guess, is the upper echelon of being, uh, you know, a Hall of Famer in WWE. Yeah. 
I mean, not saying that Rick, does, not saying that I, Rick I, does not deserve it at all. You know? I kind of thought it was weird to – well, when they first did it with the Horsemen, I, I, you know, I, as much as I enjoy it, I do think it is a weird thing <laughs> where you're inducting yeah. you know, someone multiple times. Well, like, it's already, here's, here's it's my part thing. of the career. They've, they've already been acknowledged for it. I, I, I don't mind that. I know he's an old cranky bastard, but why was Barry inducted, not Oli? Did Barry serve more time in the Horsemen than Oli? Because I thought the fourth was always a rotating person. It was first Oli, uh, then it was Lex, then it was uh, Barry, Sid, Sting, you know, but it was always Tully, Arn, and, and Rick. Why did they put Barry in there instead of Oli? Just like personal beef between Vince and him, you think? Probably a good amount of that, but I think, you know, the, the modern, if you look at, like, modern wrestling fans or people that would still be watching WWE at this point in time, they're probably more f- familiar with Barry Windham's run. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. That's, that one's debatable to me. I mean, I guess they probably went with who gave Dusty the most trouble. <laughs> I don't I don't know how they, yeah, how they handled that. That motherfucker, Did you go that with? motherfucker only can suck my dick. That's all I have to say, baby. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't I don't have an answer. I don't know why you didn't just induct yeah. both. I mean... I just, I've uh, always wondered. I've always, I've always wondered that. Uh, that's where the groups get a little weird. But DX, it's always been kind of the core of the DX members, even when people rotated in and out, with the exception of... Rick Rude because he went to WCW. I mean, Six did, but you know, Rick unfortunately passed away. He never came back to uh, the WWE. So yeah, it's it's a little it's a little different with him. But you know, with Oli, yeah, you could easily say, okay, well, uh, Oli should probably be in there. I mean, just with his booking, his booking prowess alone, and kind of his work with the National Wrestling and Alliance, working his with Arn incredible Andrew. voice. For the Shockmaster, that too. <laughs> by, I mean, by just the, his, his tag team with, I mean, his tag team alone with Arn Anderson should be enough to get him in there as a tag team. If you're looking at inducting tag teams like Ole and Arn, I think is one you could definitely point to and go, they should, yeah, should definitely be in there. You know, with their manager JJ Dillon and. But at the same <sighs> at the same rate, who who's going to go into if, if they were to if they were to give them another inductee, who's going in between the Brainbusters? Or the Andersons, you know. I think it would be Tully yeah. and, and Arn, is what I'm assuming. I mean, I get. I mean, yes. I, I in some ways, yes. But at the same time, it's like you know, I don't know. That, that's a that's a hard one. I think the answer is only de- probably deserves to be in it, there, but probably may not ever be in there. <laughs> uh, that's stupid, Vince McMahon piece of shit. All right, so uh, that, that's my only impression, by the way. Sorry about that. But um, we'll we'll continue in the news. I was so deeply worried that I was going to fuck up and play in about 10 minutes. All right, anyways, our next news item is uh, something pretty sweet, uh, Chris. Uh, Ms. and Maurice, Maurice, they're having a second child. And uh, that means that they're going to have six more fucking seasons of Ms. and Mrs., which I'm not going to say I haven't watched about eight episodes of the first season um, and somehow enjoyed a reality television show, but I, I didn't. Um, anyways, but, yeah, this is, uh, this is good. You know, bigger family, 
Um, I'm not really particularly liking what Vince or what Miz is doing uh, right now, unless there's some type of, we'll get to that later on. But when it comes down to this, I'm happy for him. Uh, It's also, you know, once more kids start popping out, the wrestler's life starts, you know, kind of weighing down a bit. So I'm sure Miz is well aware of that, but uh, happy for him and the misses. Mattis! Uh, Chris, how do you feel about this wonderful news of another little Mizanin just running around? I think that's his last name. I mean, c- congratulations to Miz. I, I enjoy his reality TV show. It's silly fun. Um, it's definitely different than, you know, the Bellas or uh, Total Divas. It's more geared towards what it's like to have a family, I guess, um, and focusing on kind of how goofy the Miz is. But outside of that, I mean, I think – you know, I don't know what this does for what his push was going to be coming out of Mania. I think seeing seeing kind of what we've seen with the way they're handling the Shane McMahon thing, I think it says kind of a lot about what they're going to be planning to do with The Miz when originally all signs pointed to him and Brian like three or four months ago. Um, and now it's kind of like, I don't really I don't know if I see that happening, but um you know, congratulations to Miz. The best part of his announcement on the pay-per-view is someone said, uh, you still got it. <laughs> Tried to start a you still got it chant, and Miz kind of acknowledged it, which props on that guy. <laughs> it's, per- it's a pretty fucking funny thing to say. Um, I think it's been 10 months since he he had his – I mean, he's basically had these babies like nine months apart, so Miz is putting in work. So he's, apparently he's still got it according to that one fan in Elimination Chamber. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's uh, that's awesome. At least they didn't what him when he said that. I don't know. That would have been weird. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Ms. Maris, I'm happy for you, and you have wonderful, beautiful-looking children, and we'll, uh, we'll, I'm sure, see the whole entire thing on a future episode of Ms. and Mrs. Uh, let's go to our next news item. Uh, Impact wrestler Eddie Edwards uh, signed a long-term deal with the company. Um, I don't know exactly how many years, but I'm I'm usually assuming a long-term deal usually is like, I think, three or more, basically. So um, Moose just did it uh, very recently, too, I think uh, probably about six months ago. So, um, hey, I have to say that I don't know necessarily if Eddie maybe got hurt and I don't know about it or – He's toned down himself because beforehand he was a very technical wrestler and did a lot of stuff outside to the outside. He still sometimes does that, but he's definitely taken more brawler aspect and kind of gone to this. Look, Eddie Edwards, I thought he was a, a fun wrestler in the ring uh, back when he was with the Wolves and when I first started seeing him um, in Impact when I first started watching it a couple of years back. But he was boring as shit. Um, and now they've had this great story that started with an accident of Sammy Callahan almost busting his eye in uh, with a baseball bat, but it gave him this ability to have like one of these crazy personas, and he kind of does it by himself, and they've had a lot of layers within the story using Sammy Callahan and, and, and Tommy Dreamer and him you know, trying to idolize himself off of Tommy Dreamer, and it's worked. It definitely has, and he's put on some fun matches. Uh, so if, if Impact is good with him, Great. I'm just wondering. I, I keep on wondering if maybe finally Anthem is putting some money into their product because after finding out Chris Jericho said that him and Kenny, uh, they were offered and almost signed to, I, I forgot how many, it was 
I want to say like a six month deal, but it was a ridiculous amount of money for both of them, uh, a piece uh, to be signed for it. So they got to have money coming out of somewhere. Uh, you know, I mean, they're not on uh, the greatest channel with being pursued. Uh, they are on, you know, Twitch, which is a good thing because people can watch it for free, but there's got to be an income there because their production still looks great. Their, their, their sets still look good. They're now paying their wrestlers, thankfully, that, you know, Dixie Carter kind of forgot about back in her reign. Um, and probably afterwards, too, until this new administration, if you will. But, um, yeah, Eddie Edwards staying there. Hey, man, you do what you got to do. Uh, impacts, uh, honestly, like Ring of Honor and MLW, in which that I want to see all of them strive, uh, you know, especially with AEW, who's probably going to become the third and then pass New Japan for the second, at least over here in the U.S., as biggest company, uh, wrestling-wise. Uh, so the ones that are semi-small, if you will, the middle ground, um, it, it's good that they, they're staying afloat, obviously, and, uh, you know, they, they got their guys. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this? I think it's a good signing for Impact in the wake of a- AWE, or AEW, I should say, um, being around and there being so many rumors about a lot of these guys possibly jumping ship, which we've talked about in length about how that roster is almost 30 deep already. Um, we talked about that for a good bit last week. So if you missed the show last week, go back and check that out. Cause we broke, I think we did a good job of breaking that down, but um, I think this is great for impact. It was announced by Josh Matthews on impacts website, the long-term deal signing. So we don't know what the deals really entails. I haven't heard anything on Wrestling Observer or any other news outlet that actually lays this thing out. So I don't have years or details for you guys, but he basically did say that Impact is his home and the place he wanted to be in the interview and in his short-term goal, he wants to take Impact to the next level. He wanted to be the guy in the forefront, basically say, come on guys, jump on my back, I think was basically the quote. So, you know, he is the, he was a former X Division champion. He's been a former tag team champion there. He is a uh, former heavyweight champion and, with them looking to pivot, which we, we haven't really talked about recently, but they're definitely, in the past few episodes, they're looking to pivot, you know, uh, Johnny Impact into more of a heel role. I think it makes sense to lock up Eddie Edwards. Yep. I think it can easily be a face to work against a heel Johnny Impact, and they can go down that road. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great signing for Impact. I'm a little surprised by it, but... Not incredibly surprised by it. I, I thought maybe Edward, Eddie Edwards would end up back, <laughs> possibly working in Ring of Honor for a bit or something after he was done with Impact. But who knows? I mean, with the way the contracts are up in the air and Impact's ability to let people go do other things, there's um, there's no telling where where all, where all we're going to see him show up. But he, I mean, he seems to be enjoying his time at Impact. This is his third year, fourth year. He's been there. So, well, no, never mind. This is year number six. Uh, no. I'll get it right in a second. Year number five. He's been there since 2014. After a quick fact check there. So um, is that when the Wolves were there? Yeah. So I mean, he's stuck around since. Yeah. So that's awesome on him. Yep. Good on him. And uh, you know, like I said, I like Eddie a lot. He's a good in-ring wrestler. And uh, I mean, like I said, he's. I'm not gonna say he's dope because he's added a lot more to his character recently with his new gimmick of kind of being a little bit crazy. And I also like the aspect that they've kind of put into it where Eli Drake is trying to get the old school Eddie Edwards out of him since Eli Drake is that, that wrestler who doesn't like, you know, hardcore wrestling or whatnot. So a lot of cool stuff. 
Um, honestly, speaking about Impact and, you know, other companies like Ring of Honor, MLW, uh, this might be another good choice of someone to grab uh, because apparently Tom Dillinger is one of the next wrestlers that has asked for their release from the WWE. Um, I can't say I didn't see this coming. Um, you know, some of the other guys in the past, I don't know if the revival, if they're appeasing him and trying to work that out. We know Hato Atami obviously is trying to get the hell out. Uh, we know that Dean Ambrose, they're letting him go after uh, WrestleMania. Uh, but with Ty, you know, they, they haven't done anything with him. Um, he got over from a chance on NXT, and then they pulled him up very prematurely, didn't really let his character grow at all, and then sidelined him and did nothing with him. So I think, I think he's good enough to make an impact, if you will, on impact or, or one of those platforms um, and he'll probably make some money outside of WWE. Uh, I think that's the best choice. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Uh, I tend to agree with you. I, 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 for me, WWE pulled the ripcord on him too quickly um, after they pulled him up to the main roster. It's a really, really weird scenario. It, it, you have to keep in mind Ty Dillinger is 38 years old. Uh, so... I can't blame him for wanting to go somewhere else. And I can't, honestly, I can't remember his last match on SmackDown. Um, I know that he had a house show match in February, but outside of that, I think the last time he was on TV was before the new year and for the new year. So I, I can't really blame him, man, honestly. And hopefully somewhere like impact or ring of honor will pick, pick him up and take note of him. Uh, he, he's a damn good wrestler. I just think outside of that chant and that original run in NXT when he was brought up, up, outside of people just yeah, there's no, they didn't give him much to work with. I don't even want to go to say say as far as say Vanilla outside of you know, they're not giving him time to really cut anything on the mic. They're not giving him any kind of interesting feud. I mean, the only the only match I can really think of that was any good or that was like a big, big deal, a big match was he had that. Didn't he have a, I think he, he had a match with, um, Eric Young. No. Damn. I'm trying to think of what it was. Was it, it was on insanity. See, I'm going, was it, ah, man, I think it was Timmy Zane. It was like a three-way match, independent state battle Royal, maybe. Maybe I'm thinking of another match. Championship. Yeah. yeah, but that's the last big match I can remember him in, honestly. Oh, uh, you're talking about on, on Maine. I'm talking about on NXT. Like, the only good oh, match yeah, I remember yeah. is he had one with uh, Young, and that was about it. And then he left. and I think he lost it, too. I'm pretty sure he did. Oh, well. To you, Ty Dillinger. We hope that Didn't you he have a triple, well. triple threat match at Hell in the Cell with Corbin, where Corbin won that title? I have no idea. I'm probably I I feel bad right now, but I just don't. He's not that memorable. Yeah, I know it's not really our fault. I mean, like I said, I don't think he was really, I don't think he was really really pushed well. I mean, he had some like I said, he had some matches against Styles, he had some matches against Corbin. They were right in there, and Sami Zayn. He had a good that, one. I mean, we're talking, yeah, we're, yeah, we're talking we're talking about like back in August at this point, so. I mean, that shows how much they've done with him. He went from having matches for the U.S. title, wrestling the champion at the time, AJ Styles, and then fucking nothing. 
and I don't remember them. I don't remember him being injured or anything. So it's just it's a weird scenario I think for that if, guy. Like, I think I think if you put him on uh, Impact or MLW, he'll do really well. I think that there's a lot of guys over there. Uh, that he can really interact with and do some cool stuff with. So we'll have to see. But uh, Todd Dillinger, hey, I can't blame him, honestly. He's another guy. I mean, there's certain other people, and I can't think of any on the top of my head, but, like, if they ask for their release soon, how about Rusev and Lana? That's another one, possibly. Or the Usos. It just, if you're not happy, and if I'm the WWE, honestly, if people aren't happy, then let them go. I mean, you really just don't have room for all this other talent that you're breeding right now in NXT, so... If that's got to be, that's got to be. Um, obviously, don't let them all go because that's just helping out your competition, but you know what I'm saying. Either way, hey, Stone Cold commented on the Becky Lynch stuff, Chris. Um, you know, all the comparisons that Becky's getting towards him. So now I'm going to try to fuck up uh, a Stone Cold impression. <laughs> me, 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 me. Well, I guess she is, if everyone says she is. She does remind me a lot of myself. I mean, if you were to line up the women's roster and you line up that backing roster in the day when I was still in the ring and you said, hey, I need you to pick one of these next superstars to be your breakout guy, I don't think you're going to pick Becky Lynch. And I damn sure as hell know you're not going to pick me out of that lineup. Can I get a hell yeah? My throat hurts so bad. It wasn't even that good. Ugh. How do you feel about that statement? Uh, I don't think it's wrong. I mean, I'm glad that he acknowledged it. My biggest problem with the comparisons is that she's not being booked properly to have those comparisons. <laughs> but how's that like more of a Yeah, or like, or like, you know, Stone Cold didn't really. Think of the... Stone Cold took apologize. head on. So if you want, if you want, he didn't apologize, and he took his problems head on. So right off the bat just in the past couple of weeks, there's been some very unlike Stone Cold. For instance, you know, her hitting Ronda Rousey in the back of with a fucking cane was pretty heel move. I mean, Stone Cold would offer someone a beer and kick them in the stomach, but he was always staring him in the eye. He always had a plan. And, and Becky, they almost book sometimes like she's a fucking heel. It's like they never stopped booking her as a heel because it worked. Like she's Conor McGregor throwing a fucking a fucking thing through a fucking van window. Fuck you, you fuck. I don't know. Outside of that, I mean, there's definitely comparisons. I think, that, you know, the big one is that she had that breakout moment when she got hit and, like, fucking the fans are running with it. I do think that they're hurting her with some of the booking they've been doing lately, um, which we'll get into later, but I, you know, with what Stone Cold said, do do I think that she's the person that WWE would have picked um, to be the next Stone Cold Steve Austin? Probably not. But you can't pick the next Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's just something that's going to have to happen organically. Yeah, and even he said though, like the the thing that he was comparing probably more so was the fact that like like himself. You wouldn't have thought that he would have been the main guy. It just kind of organically happened, obviously, because of a turn of events. And it was like, fuck, we got to – all right, well, I guess, I guess we're going with this guy. How you doing, pal? Yeah, yeah I, and, I, uh, and on, that, on that note, I agree with him. I just think, you know, if you're going to comparisons, then look her like fucking Stone Cold, especially right now leading into Mania with her being suspended. She should be doing all sorts of crazy Stone Cold shit. Don't go too over the top with it. Like, I don't need her driving a beer truck into the ring, but... I was about to say, no driving shit in the fucking ring. 
but you know, don't don't have her back down from anyone. Don't have her take shit from anyone. Don't have her like cheap shot Ronda Rousey. She's gonna go after Ronda. Wait till Ronda's having a fucking match. Come have her come straight down the ramp and fight her head on. Whether she loses or wins or whatever, or they just get broken up. It makes more sense for her. if she's if that's what they're going for at this point, then she needs to be just I'm a straight badass and I'm gonna fight everyone. You know, he's the toughest son of a bitch. He's not. I outsmarted you and hit you with a crutch when you weren't looking. Like that shit is just not what Stone Cold is. So, like a lot of the comparisons that I have a problem with is not that she's organically like Stone Cold in a lot of ways. Like organically, it's the it's the booking shit around it that this all shit Stone Cold wouldn't do. Or yeah. Up with. Like getting getting his Royal Rumble win stripped, Stone Cold would be fucking beating down every official that he could find, getting arrested, and, and he then coming back the very like next week and doing the same thing. In the thing. first place, there's no way he would be no. like, apology, that he would have fucking stunned both of them right there. No way. <laughs> yes, exactly. So and uh, that just feeds more. I mean, we're going to talk about SmackDown. <laughs> so you, you know what, actually, H. Chris, going back <laughs> well, last, let's let's go back last week, and let me just say, would it really have been that bad if she told them both to fuck off, attacked Stephanie, and then Vince came out and said, "You know what? You don't have respect. You're out of here." And that, like, what difference would have made? I think it would have made her look stronger if they did that. Yeah, exactly. And and like you know, the fact that she got suspended didn't Ronda Rousey beat the shit out of both Stephanie and Triple H? And it just <laughs> led to a match. Like, it led to a match at the same time last year. So I'm fine with your scenario. I'm, and if, if they're trying to make Vince, like, the heel for Becky, it's not going to work the same way as it did with Austin because he's not going to be there week in and week out. And she's not going to be able to – he doesn't have – unless they're going to make the two goons, Stephanie and Triple H, because I think the thing people forget about Vince and what made Vince so good as a heel – is Vince constantly had other people doing his fucking dirty work. Like Pat Patterson. You know what I mean? Like, Stone Cold was stunning those fucking nerds week in and week out. (laughs) And then if he got through them, there would be started slaughter. And if he got through them, Vince would have someone else hired. And to build that kind of, like, thing where Stone Cold's got to come out of these unsurmountable odds, you can't have Becky apologizing because she's afraid to lose a title shot. You can't have her, like, cheap-shotting Ronda because she doesn't give a fuck about Ronda. Why does she care? Why Why does she care? Like, if she's going to attack Ronda, she just attack her head on. She had a crutch. She had the advantage. You know what I mean? Like, I don't – there's just certain things about the way they're booking her that drives me insane, especially when people are drawing comparisons to Stone Cold. Because if you watch Stone Cold's run, like I did growing up, I know that that's not what, how they booked Stone Cold or how he would have reacted to the situation. Now, saying that she – was not what they expected and became that. That's awesome. But you could also say the same thing about Kofi Houston right now. And I wouldn't compare him to Stone Cold at all. So I don't know. I feel like they booked her more like I the would, way they're booking her reminds me more of Daniel Bryan than it does Stone Cold. I would, I would argue that I compare Kofi to um, Honky Tonk Man, actually. I think that's similar. And... <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go to our next news item. Uh, Kotobushi uh, recently in an interview in Japan kind of just elaborated on 
why he didn't end up signing with AEW. And now, remember, uh, you know, Kenny and Chris have, uh, and Chris Jericho have made it very apparent that there are chances for them to be able to go over to Japan. Uh, it would probably be later, but that's something they're working out right now. So who, who's to say? Also, Kenny kind of alluded at the fact that Kota can come over here even though he signed with New Japan. So obviously, at least uh, to them, they're trying to make something happen between AEW and New Japan in the future. Either way, here's a quote. No, I'm not going to do an impression because it would be someone interpreting it, and that that's stupid. I don't know why the fuck I would try to do that. So this is what Kota Bushi had to say. What I realized talking to AEW was I really don't care about money. AEW said they just want me in their ring in some form. The ideal for them was for me to move to America and be there full time. I turned them down just after Wrestle Kingdom. If I went, it would be at the end of my career. Uh, there wouldn't be anywhere else to go after that. No step up, nothing left to do. That would be the last step to make. And after that thing would just go down, great money, but I want to keep developing. This is the last decision I will make in my career. I'll end my wrestling career in New Japan Wrestling. How do you feel about that statement, especially since Kota was so adamant about not signing a contract with them for the last year and just being a free agent? Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't really know what to say. I think that it's, I mean, it says a lot that he did sign with New Japan, and I think that that has a lot to do with how he was going to be booked. Um and now that he's signed and locked in, I think that you could see him get the push that he probably has deserved for a while and probably had a lot to do with it, but it's all speculation. I'm not surprised that he's has said this at this point, though. You know what I mean? Um, I And if they're going to have a working relationship with AEW, you'll still get to do the Gold Lover stuff, which I know that he enjoys. I know that, Cody, or, that <laughs> Kenny enjoys it as well, but I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, he to, to me, he's going to be right there in the heavyweight title picture very, very soon. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I definitely do. Uh, he's he's one of those guys. Um, we always forget that Code is actually in like his, I think his mid to upper thirties, but he looks like he's in his twenties still. Uh, but you know, he's got a very hard style. So if if New Japan is the right choice for him, and we can get to see some crossover action. That's fine with me. Um, Kota Ibushi, like, like we've, we said last week, like a Naito, like a, like a Sonata. We're going to get uh, Tamatonga, obviously Jay White. You know, these are the guys that are the next generation, I think, of the heavyweight competitors. So we'll see a lot more from them, and I'm sure Kota Ibushi will have that belt very, very, very soon. Um, probably, I would assume, in the next year or at least like the – Maybe the main event for the title will involve Kota Bushi next year at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, all right, let's get back to our last bit of news before we move on to Elimination Chamber. Um, we find this out right beforehand, Chris, uh, before we were about to start up, that uh, they're making a Hulk Hogan movie um, on Netflix. Uh, so Netflix, they've been pumping out these movies. they got a movie called The Irishman from my favorite director, Martin Scorsese, that... Uh, that right now they finished filming, but they're de-aging the actors because basically it's about a book about the rise of the Italian mob and has Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, and Harvey Keitel, I believe, all in it. Um, 
and they're going to show them age throughout the film. Really, really cool. Basically, Netflix has a lot of fucking money. Um, in retrospect, I've talked on the movie show. If you think about the subscription rate uh, compared to how much a company makes, like a movie company makes annually, Disney, I think when they were when they had their great year two years ago, I believe they made I believe four billion dollars. Um, I think Netflix goes close to twenty because of subscriptions and all that. So that's why Disney is making their app and everyone else is doing that, so that we can, as consumers, be really happy with the fact that basically eventually we're going to have an a la carte table in the same fucking rate with all these damn apps, and I'm not going to complain. Anyways, but basically getting down to it, again, Chris Hemsworth, who is a movie star, I believe, a uh, big guy, Thor, play <laughs> Hulk Hogan. You know, they got Todd Phillips, um, the director of the upcoming um, Martin Scorsese-produced uh, Joker movie that he's doing. He's also made, um, I'm trying to think, uh, we just talked about him right before this, Chris, and I forgot all of them. Um, Man, he uh, Hangover, uh, Old School. There was that one, War, War Dogs, I believe is the name of the movie that had Jonah Hill in it. Um, yes, he's a good director. He's got, he's got a good eye for film. I like his style. I like the Netflix movie concept. Um, I think they've you know I I didn't see the Alien movie with uh, Will Smith in it and Joel uh, Edgerton, but I'm sure it was fine. I just never got a chance to see it myself, but. This is really interesting, and especially, like, how far do you go? Do you get into the controversial stuff with Hulk Hogan? Because there is a lot of stuff, and maybe you should hit upon that. Or is this about his early career? Um, you know, are you going to use aging? Um, are you going to, like I said, are you going to make – we're going to see, obviously, the progression, I'm assuming, of Hulk Hogan. But if we're just strictly saying in the 80s, you know, who are you going to get to play some of these huge – Large in life characters like your Andre the Giants, like your Ric Flair's, like your Vince McMahon's, um, your Bruce the Barber Beefcakes, Macho Man Randy Savage. Like, seriously, there's a lot of people that you can get to play them. Chris Hemsworth is obviously not Hulk Hogan's height and not the same size as Hulk Hogan. He's a big dude, but he's not that big. So, and I was saying this to Chris beforehand, kind of like if they were to make an Andre the Giant uh, film, which I've heard is an idea that they're, they're throwing around, you're going to have to use the size differences of all the actors have to be shorter in comparison uh, to make it, to make it look correctly. Uh, and also use a lot of uh, movie magic and camera angles. So very interesting concept. I'm not sure if I would have gone with Hulk Hogan because of the controversy, but if you want to do that as a, you know, I, I just, I was looking forward to the Vince movie because I think there's a lot of stuff surrounding Vince controversy, good things, bad things, everything. Um, him, you know, consuming all the territories, like the idea of an Andre movie, a Ric Flair movie. Looks like Hulkster's going first. It's going on Netflix, so we're going to see it um, sooner than later, honestly, since it's not going to be a theatrical release unless they do in sh short amount of theaters. But I'm interested nonetheless. Um, I got a couple casting ideas, but I'm going to pass it to Chris, so I shut the fuck up and let him talk about this a little bit. So what do you think, Chris? Oh, man, well... Uh, my first my first reaction to this is you're going to have to fit in 30 years of wrestling from 1977 to 2012 of actual just him being an active wrestler. And what do you pick out of that to highlight? I mean, obviously, do you show him training with Vern Gagne? And do you show AWA? Do you show him going to Japan? Do you show him going into the into WWF for the first time, leading up to, you know, the very first WrestleMania. And then do you 
flash forward to WCW and NWO. Like, I have a lot of questions here about, and even outside of wrestling, do you talk about his reality TV show? Is there, is that part of the movie? Um, it's the weird thing about doing a movie about a singular wrestler or instead of like a specific time period of wrestling. So I'm curious to see if this is going to be Hogan's WWF run in a movie about that. Because to me doing a, like a movie about someone like a Terry Funk or a Hulk Hogan or a Dusty Rhodes or um, a Ric Flair, that's the problem you run into. I mean, it's an ongoing story in, in a lot of ways. And, and you, and people have done that with political figures over the years, but with someone like Hogan, there's just so much that people are going to want to see, specifically the, the the fans. I mean, you you heard how people kind of talked about the the what was it the Thirty for Thirty Ric Flair documentary and some of their notes about it and the people that they've got to to do that and how people liked or disliked it both hard on either side of the fence. Um, I don't, I you know, I'm excited for it. I don't, I think Hemsworth is probably a fine choice. He, definitely has like the Hulk Hogan forehead. If you look at young Hogan, um, I can see the look that they're going for. And obviously they, you know, there's stuff that they're going to do to make him look more like Hogan. Um, The camera trick thing is going to be a little unique. I mean, even if you didn't watch a lot of Hogan growing up, if you're more of a modern wrestling fan, you've probably seen Rocky three. You know what I mean? And think about how fucking big Hogan is as Thunderlip. Like, <laughs> that's it's a little weird, the casting. I mean, there's so many characters you have to cast for a Hogan movie to me. You have to have your Andre the Giant. You have to have your Vince McMahon. You really need a Sting. Probably going to have to have a Bischoff. That's the interesting thing to me is the people you get to play those characters. Like, who? Who's going to play Eric Bischoff, for instance? Like think, thinking about things like that is very entertaining. But um, I don't know. I feel like they have their work cut out for them, and that maybe they should have looked at doing like a mini series or something as opposed to a movie. And who the hell knows? Maybe it'll turn into that. But it's just a big career when you think about the movies he did, wrestling, all the way until 2012, his run in Impact, and then. If you get into the controversial stuff, you know that is going to be a big part of the movie, probably the entire end of the movie leading up till now. So that, that, that to me is kind of a, a large ask for one person. Hulk Hogan is, is probably, if not the biggest name in wrestling history, one of. All right. I agree with you on all that. But I do have some ideas for casting, and I will say if anyone's a fan – well, I'll get uh, Kanan to put it up on Twitter, too, for Geek Vibes. But if anyone's a uh, fan on the uh, Facebook page, I'm going to post up a huge, just stretching his whole career, who I, who I think could get cast as what. And like I said, some of these guys are not going to be the same height as the wrestlers. I'm assuming they're going to use, like, different things to make them taller. Anyways, for Andre the Giant, actor called Roy McCann, uh, he's known for playing the Hound on uh, Game of Thrones. I think he'd be perfect. He's 6'7", so obviously he's not 7 foot, whatever the hell they said, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, was. um, I don't remember. Uh, Dave Metzler has reported a different height than what they used to call him, and I believe actually that. But either way, huge dude, 
I think he could do, get, uh, deal with the personality, if you will, just based off the hound from Game of Thrones. Um, I said that uh, – oh, man, I'm, now I'm blanking out on his name. Tom Hardy for Macho Man Randy Savage. I think that would be fucking awesome of having him uh, try to play that character. Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul as Bobby the Brain Heenan. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, I Fuck it. Have John Cena play the Ultimate Warrior. Get him the same outfit, stupid tan, he's buff as shit, and have him go and do his best Ultimate Warrior impression. Um, I think it would be great. I The only person I can really think for Ric Flair, and maybe I need to put a little more time into it, is Ryan Gosling. I think that he's got that type of charm, charisma, but I kind of want him as a younger Ric Flair in his own movie. Uh, so I got to think of another actor that makes a lot more sense. Maybe a little, someone that's a little more crazier. I can't think right now off the top of my head, Eric Bischoff, Jake the Snake, Sting's another one that's hard. There's a lot of guys that I've had such a huge interaction with Hulk over the years that it's going to take me a second to try to think out. But uh, those are some of the ideas that I had for casting. Oh, and also... Just like the the biopic itself, John Hamm for Vince McMahon, I think that he would do a damn good job. Don Draper and Vince, I think, kind of have some parallels, if you will. If you will, baby. I think that's you've casted some great people there. I I can't think of actors that fast off the top of my head, man. You you're clearly smoking me on that level. Um, I mean, that, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out to me. Uh, I think the biggest thing is the segments of Hogan's career that they pick on whether that is a good movie or not and what direction they go in that. Um, I, I don't know. It's exciting, and I look forward to it. Now, hopefully, hopefully it actually gets made and it's not just rumored in the same way that the Vince movie was rumored, <laughs> which had, like, an actual... Yeah, no everything. shit. So, I, I don't know. It's just a big... I mean... It's a big, it's a big, big career. I think that you mm-hmm. would have an easier time doing someone like Ultimate Warrior, or you know another big wrestler whose legacy is not involved. Um, <laughs> but especially when you throw in you know the the reality TV show, um, the three or four movies that he did, promotional crap he did like Pasta Mania. Like Hogan was kind of all over the place. It, it, it surpassed wrestling. Like you could, to me, you could easily, you could more easily do a Macho Man Randy Savage movie and mm-hmm. like a movie before you would get like a Hogan movie out, <laughs> just because of how much it would be incorporated in it. Like for instance, like who do you cash as Hall and Nash? I don't know, man. Those are going to be hard. They have things. to be just as big as Timsworth, <laughs> like if not bigger, like slightly bigger, and they can't be bigger than whoever you cast as Andre the Giant. Like, there's just stuff like that, which I know a lot of that you can do and, and make it magically happen, but, I mean, they're big parts of Hogan's career. Like, those three people alone are huge in, Co- in Hogan's wrestling career, at least. But maybe that's not what they're going to focus on. Who knows? I'm going to get all the I'm, – I'm going to figure all this out. I think, I think it'll, be, it'll, it'll be a fun project for me to mess around with. I'll also throw out uh, Terry Crews as Mr. T from WrestleMania 1. <laughs> All right. You ready to go over the Elimination Chamber, Chris? Sure. Let's do it. Actually, before we go into it, overall, what did you think about Elimination Chamber? I personally thought that I like that it was short. 
there's only two matches that really just didn't do anything for me. We'll get to that, obviously. But for the most part, even the matches were entertaining themselves, and I liked a lot about the Elimination Chambers, uh, more so with the men's and some of the other stuff that happened. What do you think? I'm going to be just blunt and I liked the cruiserweight match and the main event, and I didn't really care for the rest of the show all that much. Um, but it was short, like you said, so there was that. Even though they, I felt like they did draw some stuff out on purpose to try to make it hit a time mark to the top of the air at the hour at towards the end there. But um, outside of that, you know, like so the, uh, none of the matches were none of the matches were just awful. It just it didn't really. None of them really did anything for me either. It was a lot of fan service uh, with a lot of the ones that had shitty outcomes, like the IC belt and stuff. Um, you know, it's like yeah, Finn Balor going against two people, and Bobby Lashley gets completely just looks like a goof. But he get you know Finn Balor gets the belt, I guess. But um, yeah, let's go into probably uh, if not my second favorite match of the night. Uh, Buddy Murphy going against Kira Tozawa in the uh, pre-show. Guys, if you don't watch the pre-show match with these cruiserweight matches, man, you're missing out. It's unfortunate. That's how the cruiserweight division is. But Buddy Murphy, fucking awesome uh, match with Akira Tozawa. I think there was a spot, I believe, where Buddy Murphy tried to give a powerbomb off the top ropes, and Akira Tozawa jumped, changed it, and turned it into a Hurricane Rana at the last minute. I mean, these guys were just beating the hell out of each other. And there was a, you know, he's already a, he's already a past champion, so there was a portion, you know, of of the of where I believed that Akira could win, Buddy Murphy retained with Murphy's Law after a very lengthy, incredible match. Uh, Chris, what did you think? I, I thought it was phenomenal for an opening show match. I liked that they actually gave them time to work. They didn't try to jam a bunch of other matches into the pre-show like they normally do. Um, Buddy Murphy and Akira Tozawa, they're they have really good in-ring chemistry with each other. That Like, the uh, last pay-per-view, Akira was also in that match. And, and the only thing I said about that match is it was a little... It got a little spot-heavy with multiple people in a way that almost made it feel like a tag match at times. But this match, just being one-on-one, Buddy Murphy and Akira Tozawa, it was great. And uh, it, for those of you that didn't watch it or missed the pre-show, I definitely would recommend going back to watch it. I did miss the pre-show, and I, I went back and watched it and really, really enjoyed it, so... Yeah, get get on those guys for sure. It was probably my second favorite match of the night. Yeah, I would agree. All right, the next match was the uh, WWE Elimination Chamber um, for the Women's Tag Team Championship. Uh, we had the Boston Hug Connection, um, Nia Jackson, Tamina, Fire and Desire, which is um, God damn it, uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, Naomi and Carmella, the Iconics, and the Riot Squad. Uh, brief breakdown, thanks to Uprox. Uh, Naomi and Carmella were eliminated when the Iconics rolled up Naomi. Uh, Jax and Tamita eliminated the Iconics and the Riot Squad pretty much back-to-back. Jax uh, crashed through the chamber pod, which allowed Bailey to hit a top rope elbow on Tamina and eliminate them, had all the ladies jump on top of uh, Tamina to be able to eliminate. Finally, Banks was able to tap out Sonya Deville with a variation of the Banks statement to win the match. Bailey and Sasha are the first women's tag cha- champions after the match. They were very bewildered um, and tough. They couldn't really uh, basically even, I guess, um, they, they were at a loss of words 
good up on them. I'm happy that these ladies, you know, tried basically has brought it to Vince's attention. Hey, we're doing all these pointless tag matches that you're throwing us in. We might as well have um, something uh, for that uh, since you're going to keep on doing that since there's no storyline that you're putting in place. And, uh, you know, with the help of uh, some of the older ladies, I know that Beth Phoenix and Natalia definitely had a lot of words. Uh, they finally went and did these titles, and uh, it was announced. Well, I think we'll we'll be able to talk about it, but on Raw that they're going to be defending these titles. They're going to go through brands of Raw, SmackDown, and also NXT. So it's a very interesting uh, and intriguing concept. Still, there has to be a lot to be done with. It's still confusing of how the fuck they're going to do that. But either way. Uh, they had this match. Um, I will say that I liked. I didn't like the beginning of this match at all. Actually, like twenty minutes, or not even twenty, not twenty, but like half of the match just was a lot of, of sloppiness. Um, I know the ladies weren't trying to do that. Uh, it actually got to when the iconics got in that some of the comedy brought better stuff, and people started just working, uh, I guess, better within the ring. Definitely when Tamina and Nia joined and they had like their whole horror moment where they just annihilated everyone and was destroying them and then cornered the Iconics in their pod and just broke through and destroyed them. You know, it, start, it started picking up and I liked the story development. I liked that Sasha hurt, hurt her arm um, within that one spot and she couldn't get the, uh, the bank statement um, completely done, so she ended up using a variation where she used her leg to put the leverage. I thought that was very clever. And, uh, you know, when it got down to it, I said that it was going to be – I kind of thought that Tamina and, 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 and Naya had a chance. A lot of people saying that they were going to win. I didn't believe that. But I really honestly thought it was going to be Sonya and uh, Mandy versus the two of them. And it looks like it did. I don't know who their opponents are going to be at Mania, if it's going to be from whatever brand. I know that they've been interacting with Trish and Lita, and I know a lot of people would think that that would be great. I think that's a waste. Um, I think that if you did this, you might as well fucking use the women to have another tag team to go against them, whether it be maybe because I don't know why the fuck Naomi got pinned immediately, if that has anything to do with the Jay shit, whatever. Um, but Tamina and Carmella would be a good opponent. Uh, another, maybe a full match with Mandy, even though she's going against Oscar now at Fastlane. Maybe Mandy and Sonya getting a full match with the two of them. That would be another option. I kind of wanted someone else to win. And then they chased the titles and went at Mania. I thought that would have been more of a moment. Whatever. Chris, what did you think about this match? I'm kind of with you. I thought the match was, was bad up until the Iconics came in. I didn't I, – I, the comedy spot I was fine with. The problem is, is like, the Iconics also, like, performed a beatdown. And they're kind of been booked as a little bit of a joke. So it's kind of it, – it's one of those things where in some of these matches where people are selling for no fucking reason, honestly. Um, so, I, I don't know. The beginning of the match seemed really sloppy. I like the storytelling towards the end, specifically – you know, the whole the whole play was Sasha hasn't been able to wasn't cleared to wrestle, which is was legit, right? So she hasn't been cleared to wrestle, and then in, in this match, you know, Bailey is the one that ends up getting hurt, and Sasha has to kind of pull out the win um, while being hurt, which I thought was kind of cool when it showed their teamwork. So the storytelling part I liked. I hated. I hate when they have four people on commentary. Um, I have such a hard time distinguishing Renee and Beth Phoenix, their voices from each other. I hate that Beth Phoenix pointed out that there was a former 
WWE's women's tag team. Um, like they've had this in the past in the eighties. I didn't like that. She pointed that out because the rest of it, they've been booking this as whoever wins this will be the first women's tag championship. So you're either going to forget about it or not forget about it. You can't really play both sides of the fence. Their speech I thought was fine. I'm excited for them. And I I, want to see how this concept fleshes out where they are going to travel between brands. They do need to establish straight tag teams to do this properly. Otherwise, you're just going to have people randomly joining each other, similar to the tag team of The Miz and McMahon, which we're going to talk about here in a oh, minute. God. But it, it, it needs to make sense, um, and they need to be together well because they wrestle each other so much in NXT, and they've you know, wrestled each other so much on Raw. I think there's some built-in chemistry with the amount of tag matches they've had with each other. Same thing with... Um, Nia Jackson and Tamina uh, to some extent because they've tagged with each other so much in the past. So I feel like to really do this well, they should have a tag tournament or something and, and kind of take out the best of these women tag matches and develop the brand around that. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I mean, I think there's some, you know, there's some female wrestlers here that weren't even in the match that I thought could have been like someone like a Mickey James. Um, or Dana Brooke, like there's some tag teams you definitely can flesh out and build here. So outside of those nitpicky things, I thought it was an okay match. Like I said, it wasn't anything great. I did like the end of the match, probably the last, I don't know, five or six minutes of the match I thought was pretty decent. But, yeah, I mean, it it was what I thought it was going to be because it's weird to work a tag team match in the in the chamber in general. At least they didn't do the weird thing that I thought they were going to do last week, which was – you eliminate one person, but the team is still technically in until both people are eliminated. I thought they were going to do some kind of convoluted bullshit with that. Um, this obviously gave, by them not doing that, they obviously had like Tamina take the pin for Nia Jax, which I thought was pretty, was going to be the obvious thing. Like, you know, all in all, it was, it was fine. Just say that. It was a good moment for them. They really wanted to get this done. They've got it done. Now let's see if WWE can actually, achieve the vision that Sasha and Bailey probably have for what this should be because my faith in them doing something proper with a tag like a tag team division is very very low. I mean, we're talking about a tag team division that really hasn't been that good with the exception of two teams even in the on the male side of things, let's say, the exception of one or two teams in years. Like, going yep. back to when they had, you know, four of the greatest tag teams of all time wrestling each other week in and week out. So, I, I don't know. So, it's – I just – if they want to fo- – if they're going to focus on it and make it a deal, then I'm really excited for it. But I just – I'm going glass half empty on this one until they can figure out what the hell they're doing with any of the tag team divisions after. Yeah. Which leads us into the next match. <laughs> well, and I agree with you, and, and I'm more half full just because of – I think there has been a progress. Well, that's the funny thing is, like you just said, with the SmackDown thing. SmackDown was the tag team division. That's where you went and watched tag team. That's where you had the Bar, the Usos, and the New Day pretty much by themselves kind of just building up that whole entire thing. Well, uh, we'll get to that. But what I will say is I it looks – at least they're going in the right directions with the tag teams, uh, but then this whole entire next one completely screws me up. But either way, 
Um, I'm happy about that. Still wondering what will be the WrestleMania, if they'll go against a heel team, if they'll just go against some legends, which I really don't want, even though I love Leader and Trish. Or maybe they'll get crazy, and since they mentioned NXT, you know, you now got the Sky Pirates, which is Io Shirai and Kerry Zane. That would be a fucking outstanding match. I'd like to see that in the future. Don't think I'll see it at WrestleMania. Regardless, neat. All right, let's yeah. move on. I, one more thing before we move on. Prediction for WrestleMania, the Bellas versus the Boston Hood Connection. Oh, God. Oh, my. Uh, it's basically the God. original women's tag team of that time and, and people that are considered part of the women's evolution, which I kind of disagree with, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. To me, that's the go-to. Uh, I don't think they're bringing Trish and Lita back for a fucking tag match. If anything, they're going to do something like that. They're going to have the Bellas in this kind of fucking match with, with these. You know, guys. it makes sense more for the Bellas, but in that type of situation, and I think you're absolutely right, I would rather fucking Trish and Lita come back. <laughs> but whatever. I do like I, – I like the Bellas, man. I can't hate on too much. It just – I get it. I get it. It's a business, man. That's a much more marquee match than anything else that you can have. And really, there's no – female heel team that's going to be very well to put against them. I mean, you could, like I said, put Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. They're probably the strongest. Iconics? Fuck no. Ruby, or Ruby, uh, whatever the hell, no. Naomi and Carmella could, but probably not. You know, you don't really have a lot of choices. So, yeah, I guess and that's the one that have, makes you, the most sense. Yeah, and you can't just have them feud with Nia Jackson Tamina. So your other option no, is... No, no, no. Notice I didn't mention that fucking one. Jesus. Yeah, and I mean, terrible. what are you going to do? You're, I mean, if you throw Io Shirai and Carrie Zane into a tag team together, then you're kind of you're doing the thing that WWE always does when they don't know what to do. <laughs> they just start throwing the call on those wrestlers together, and like you know, in all honesty, like Io Shirai and Carrie Zane could both be top female superstars in their own right. Probably a good tag team, but I would think that, you know, Io Shirai would like to win the NXT women's title first. But Oh, absolutely. Uh, and she's going against Shayna Baszler at the next uh I think it's at the next pay per view. It might be in a couple of weeks. Uh but they have been I think they're calling themselves the Sky Pirates. They have been in tag teams in NXT two so far. So either way, I mean, I don't know what direction this goes in, but if you're going if you're saying you're going to NXT uh, possibly there's going to be some tag teams that you got to build to be able to go against them. So, you know, this should be an interesting run. We'll see what the fuck happens. Uh, let's talk about some other tag team stuff, Chris. Um, I don't give a shit about any of this. I'm sorry. Like the match was fine. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Usos are amazing. Miz is good at selling. Shane does really stupid shit that can really hurt him, especially for his age. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the sad, sad thing at the end where Miz just lost it for the team and he let Shane down and he let his dad down. Look, if your dad isn't proud of you by now in the fucking wrestling industry, the fact that you started, got your ass in one of the biggest seasons of, of the real world, the first big reality TV show, one of the biggest seasons, jumped from there and got an actual wrestling career, your dream, went against John Cena and the fucking – and the WrestleMania, won the World Heavyweight title, fought, his, fought your idol, The Rock, is one of the most prestigious IC champions, and the fucking tag titles with Shane McMahon's the only thing that's going to make him happy? Fuck him. 
Tell him to go fuck himself, and he can't stay at your place anymore and fuck up goddamn wedding cakes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so stupid. And if this is all just a ploy to get either Miz to turn on Shane, dumb. And if it's something where Shane finally snaps and he can't stand Miz and he's the heel in this, dumb. I only want Miz to be a babyface if he was going against Daniel Bryan because that would have been fitting. I don't give a fuck about this goddamn thing anymore. I'm glad the Usos have the titles, but I feel somehow they're going to lose or we're going to have Miz and Shane break up because they lost again and then they fight each other. And then we have them in a match at Mania that we don't need and don't have time for because they have, what, 10, 11 titles plus two fucking battle royals plus other goddamn marquee matches. So we'll be basically watching WrestleMania for nine hours. Chris, what do you think? No, I agree with everything you said. I'm, I yelled about the same shit when they won the titles about this. <laughs> this is the moment. You're, let's be honest. Mrs. Dad is probably actually proud of them. <laughs> so building it into the storyline just seemed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, considering that Miz is a triple crown champion, right? He's won every fucking belt available to him. It's like insulting the audience's intelligence for us to believe that shit, you know? I mean, the, the only belt he hasn't won is the Universal Championship. At this point, as far as active titles go, he has held every one of them. I'm, I am pretty sure. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure he's had the U.S. title. I'm pretty sure he, I know for a fact he's had the Intercontinental title. I know he's had the WWE heavyweight title. And I know that he's fucking won the tag team titles on both brands, whether you're talking about the original iteration of this title and then that's not including the stuff like I think he had the ECW tag title. So it's not like this guy <laughs> has a long fucking list of titles. It's just a dumb storyline. I mean, I feel like there's other ways they could have made this more endearing um, to bring Mrs. Dad. I mean, they could have just had the Usos attack Mrs. Dad, right? Wouldn't that have gotten the same kind of effect? Like Absolutely. Mrs. Dad's just hanging out there and the fucking Usos just attack him or the bar attack him or something. And then you get the same pop. You get the same kind of sentimental thing um, without insulting everyone's intelligence. Um, and pivoting off a storyline where the Miz basically said, I don't think my dad is, my dad's never said he's proud of me, but he has the, I mean, it's, it's all going, it's all pivoting off the reality TV show. Um, the other thing I fucking, the one thing, I thought the match itself was fine. It is hard to watch Miz carry a tag match. Um, Shane looks kind of winded a bit. That's to be expected. He's he's doing a fucking lot, and he's 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 older. Let's be honest. And and uh, you know the thing that really threw me off is Miz hits his fucking finish and then gets rolled up and pinned. It made it, it made his finisher look so fucking weak. Like, on top of that. And then they had Miz have, like, a little breakdown. And the storyline crap I don't care about. The match itself was okay. I, me and you could yell about this storyline for forever. And it's, it's at this point, we're, I, I mean, I feel like I'm just going to be spinning my wheels. Because I bitched about it the past two weeks. So. It's absolutely just whatever. All right. The next match is another match that, if it wasn't for the outcome... I, I, I could care less, honestly. Um, that's just because Finn Balor has a belt that he hasn't gotten. He has some belt, and I'm just happy for that. But really, how, Finn Balor, 
Finn Balor winning, I guess, is good, but he won against – I just don't understand. This is just like when they had AOP go against uh, whoever, Bobby Roode and, and Chad Gable, and Drake Maverick was with them for some fucking reason and was the one who got pinned. He's not the tag champion. He's not even a part of a Freebird thing with you guys. So why the fuck was he involved in the match, and how the hell did he end up allowing them to lose the title? Same thing goes with this. Uh, Leo Rush got pinned. I just, you know, it, it doesn't do much for in this match because it's like if he would have beaten Bobby, you know, then he would have beaten both those guys and he actually pinned the champion. It's Bobby Lashley. He's huge. And he beat his fucking small bodyguard or whatever the hell he is, his manager. <laughs> Should definitely not be his bodyguard. And this makes Bobby Lashley someone who is, you know, not as technically sound. I, I think <laughs> – I don't really get it, actually. In when he was in Impact, he was using a lot more uh, UFC tackles, a lot more uh, stuff involved with what he learned through MMA. And now he's just like kind of lumbering dude. And I, I'm not going to say he's the best guy in the ring because he's not. But he had stuff that, that gave him an advantage to make him look pretty damn efficient in the ring. And now he just is that guy that like picks you up and throws you and shit. What the fuck ever. That's fine. But it just, you look like a geek. You lost to fucking Finn Balor because you were a stupid manager. But two of you guys, when you, when one of you, it's not even both at the same time, but one of you gets a break and then you lose the fucking title. It just, there's no, I'm, I'm sorry. WWE, I'm not, they haven't been as bad as they were in the past. They, they've gotten a lot better and they've been trying, I can tell. This is terrible booking. This made absolutely no sense, but hey, Finn Balor has the IC title, so I don't even know why I complained. Chris, what do you think? You know, I honestly didn't think Finn was going to win this match, and, the, and he, when he did, I realized exactly what WWE was doing, which is Finn's not getting a rematch for the heavyweight title. Even though he performed really well, we want to put that out of you guys' fucking mind as far as possible because we're going to put the IC title on him. Yep. So you don't even have to worry about Fastlane because Brock Shears Buck's not going to be there. <laughs> That's basically what I gathered by him winning it here, but I agree with you. It doesn't really do anything for Finn because he didn't beat Bobby Lashley. He beat Leo Rush, who's a manager geek. Like, they haven't built him up on the main show at all as any kind of threat to anyone or any reason why Finn would be worried. Um, and then for Bobby Lashley, it just makes him kind of look bad because he's the one who asked for this handicap match to defend his title. And then he ended up losing it because of his manager. And then... To top it all off, when we get to Monday Night Raw, none of this shit matters. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, he beat him up, and then they're buddies. Also, Bobby Lashley somehow botched what I think was supposed to be a choke slam because Leo Rush jumped too high. Like the clusterfuck at the end of that match was not not great either, and really didn't highlight. Either Bobby or Leo Rush's in ring ability, and I, you know, I never claimed to be a huge Bobby Lashley fan, but that did them no favors for them to botch the end spot, the turn. I mean, it looked like he just threw Leo Rush. It was like, I, if that was what they were going for, then I get it. But I, I thought it was supposed to be either a power slam or a choke slam, and it came out of him just dropping Leo Rush. So, well, at least he didn't roll down a ladder through a table, you know, from the powerbomb spot. Um, but, yeah, you know, I've always thought when when they pin these two together, Chris, it's like 
if they're not going to do anything with Bobby, and it's a, it looks like they're taking the title away, you know, I think Finn's going to have it for a while is what I'm saying. Why not put Bobby and, and, and Leo and make them a tag team? Like you have, you know, two guys that are working together. One's big and, and mean and, and strong, and then the heel ones. The other one's fast and shit so they can show off Leo in the, in the ring. And, you know, it gives a, another dominating tag team instead of, like, I don't know, the B-team, Heavy Machinery. Uh, yeah, I love Fandango, but, you know, that shit too. I mean, I'm just saying, like, they could kind of do something with them and – I don't. What the fuck is going on with, with with Bobby Lashley? Like, I think a lot of people thought that I didn't, because I thought he was he was good, but I didn't think that people thought that he was going to like replace Brock Lesnar, basically. Yeah, no, I mean, I fucking people underrate Brock Lesnar. Apparently, <laughs> Brock Lesnar is a thousand times yeah. better than Bobby Lashley. Like, I I mean, I'm not trying to be a dick, but he just is. <laughs> um, you know who's yeah. the perfect like for. For what Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley were going for, kind of like the perfect example of that would have been Alberto Del Rio and Ricardo Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. If you go back to like when Alberto Del Rio's manager was Ricardo uh, Rodriguez, uh, Ricardo was a well-trained like luchador. So he would hit lucha spots when the ref wasn't looking and things of that nature, even though Alberto Del Rio didn't really need it until he was fighting, you know, a real threat. I think that's something easily they could have been doing with Leo Rush. Instead, they've had him just kind of hype manning um, in a similar manner of, like, Titus O'Neil. Well, even Zelina Vega used to do that in NXT for Andrade. I don't know. Well, she's done a couple times in WWE, too. Like, you know, come and attack them, but, like, do something cool. Like, Leo, you're absolutely right. He has all the abilities to be able to do shit like that, and he kind of does once in a while, but they definitely put him off more as a manager than having the knowledge like, oh, yeah, this guy is one of the best cruiserweights, like, on the planet. He's fucking crazy. You know, they don't really they, – they just have him as random manager guy, like, hey, Bobby, all that bullshit. Yeah, and it, it is what it is. And like I said, none of this shit mattered anyways as soon as they got to Monday Night Raw. No. So. Ugh. Well, let's continue since it did matter. Uh, Charlotte uh, came out. She got a promo about how Becky sucked, basically, uh, and then stayed at ringside like she said she was for the Women's Championship match. Uh, just basically a brief rundown. You know, we had Ronda going against Ruby Riot for the title. Uh, Rousey showed up dressed as Sonya Blade from Mortal Kombat 11. She's doing the voice, and they're making it look like her. So that's why. Um, but, yeah, she had a very, very quick match, and I was pretty pissed off about it. Um, I understood that they had to make room for what happened next. At the same time, um, you know, if you're going to give us a great match between the two of them the next night and then have, you know, Ronda not be able to be a powerhouse against Ruby Riot, even though Ruby should have just been booked good, period, because she is a good wrestler, it's kind of it, – it doesn't make a lot of sense, honestly. But whatever. Um, afterwards, you know, you had Charlotte come up, size up Ronda – and then Becky, you know, hobbles her ass down uh, on one of the house shows they reported uh, two nights before. Becky tried to jump a match. Charlotte re-injured her leg. They're playing off that whole entire thing. It's cool. She came dressed out. I thought it was uh, the Grant Morrison, Jean Grey from, like, the 90s in the comic books uh, with, like, a badass, like, black but yellow, you know, thingy. You guys all fucking saw. I don't know why I'm trying to describe it. It was, it was stuff. Um, but either way, she uh, basically started beating the shit out of Charlotte with her crutch, 
and then, uh, you know, offered it to, to Ronda and started beating the crap out of her. Uh, I saw Charlotte's arms the next day, you know, on SmackDown. They looked just completely bruised. Ronda got nailed in the face. You know, uh, Becky's lucky she didn't, you know, hit her in the eye. But then again, I guess I don't know why Ronda went face first. I guess she kind of just reacted that way, obviously. And, uh, yeah, it was – she needed to get stitches. It was pretty brutal. But uh, Becky, I guess, stood tall after she beat the shit out of both of them. I thought it was a cool moment. Uh, you know, kind of kind of heelish, to, 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 especially what she did to Ronda. But, you know, um, it was Becky giving her little performance. And, honestly, even though the match was shortened, that's what the audience kind of wanted, was Becky to come out there and beat the shit out of some people. So that's what they got. That's what we got. And I thought it was pretty cool. Chris? Yeah, I mean, the match itself was just it was a nothing match. It was a squash match, basically. Um, the Sonya Blade Mortal Kombat thing, the only thing I wish from that is since Dean Ambrose uh, on Monday seems to be doing like kind of a crazy, goofy gimmick now. I kind of wish that he would have walked up and tried to get the, the shield fist bump going at some point before the match. <laughs> basically, basically the shield gimmick, right? Like, I mean... Technically, you know, Sonya Blade is like a special force. Makes sense, but I think it would be fucking funny, right? He's like, yeah, right. Just found it. Come on. <laughs> it would have been great, but uh, right, that was, it. you know, retrospect after away. Monday. But yeah, <laughs> that was retrospect after what they did with him on Monday. And uh, but yeah, anyways, I mean, it was there. That match was there for the beatdown and just to further this feud. And uh, outside, you know, to me, they made Ronda look like a babyface here because she didn't immediately attack Charlotte. With the crutch, and then and then fucking uh, Becky Lynch attacked her from behind, which seems kind of shitty. But whatever, that's how it was booked. I think it furthers the feud. Um, we'll see where they go from here. And I wasn't necessarily. I, I mean, I would have rather just had her, you know, well Charlotte, and then when Ronda turned around, you know, or you know, somehow interfered in the match and made it a fuck all match where. Ruby wins by disqualification and no one cares and everyone forgets about it. I think there was other ways to do this beatdown. That's all I'm saying, but yeah. Yep. Alright. Um, the next match uh, is a match that will not be even discussed. Uh, all I'm going to say basically is hey, if you haven't seen this match, they've done it fucking 50 times and you know, every time I, I talk to someone and kind of criticize them when they're like WWE's still doing the same thing a month later... And I'm like, dude, blah, 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 blah. Well, when, apparently when it comes to Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman or possibly putting Drew McIntyre, maybe Bobby Lashley involved in the fucking thing, I guess that's that's just, uh, I don't know. It was a DQ match. Um, I don't even remember who won. I think that Baron fucked him over by the other guys coming off, and it had something to do with steel stairs uh, and a powerbomb probably on them. That's what I'm going to assume. My brain shut the fuck off for this. And, uh, yeah. Um, awesome. I'm really happy where Braun is now. Anyways, Chris, what do you think? I felt the same exact way as you. This is, I mean, it was fine for an ODQ match, I guess. There wasn't anything new. Braun did the dumb thing where he always fucking misses and hits the post in, like, every match ever to cut off his car. <laughs> and then he got dominated by three heels. I still have no idea why Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, or Corb and Corbin are friends. Like, I don't know if I just have pushed it out of my memory from watching three-hour Raws. Or... They never were friends. 
Drew McIntyre was in a thing with fucking uh, what's his name, Dolph Ziggler, and then they were in cahoots with uh, Baron, with uh, with Braun Strowman. So when the fuck did okay. they cross paths with these three? I don't understand. I, so stupid. I, that's what I'm like. That's what I kept thinking. I was like, did I fucking miss something? Like, why are these people uh, out here helping <laughs> Baron Corbin? I'm sure he, I'm sure Corbin fucked them over somehow. <laughs> like that was his whole gimmick, right? I'm like Corbin. <laughs> So I was confused on that. Also confused on, you know, the whole idea, the whole reason they scrapped that Braun match is because they didn't want him to lose to Lesnar because they didn't want to make him weak, look weak. And to me, like, losing to Bobby Lashley and Barry <laughs> Corbin. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, but, but, Chris, there's, there's three of them, and they're all big behemoth motherfuckers. And they're yeah, all Bobby Lashley... Bobby Lashley just lost a fucking handicap match for his title. <laughs> Bobby Lashley fought a match for Donald Trump one time. I shaved my head. Um, it doesn't even. Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. Like, no, it doesn't. Unless you're trying to make. I mean, if you wanted to do this, they should have just made Drew McIntyre come out there and kill Strowman. Because then at least you can I mean, fucking kill kill both of them and then put Orban on top of Strowman. Then you don't hurt anyone, and you make Drew McIntyre look good, and you set up a feud between Braun and Drew McIntyre, oh, which is what they want to do. That would have been awesome. That would have been great. That would have been fucking awesome because he, Baron could have thought that he was there to help him out, and then he just fucking levels his ass and then goes after him, but then it's like, you can have the win. Oh, man, that was yeah. fucking stupid. That, and not only that, it, it's like this one actually pissed me off more so than the Ruby Riot one because they had to make room for that Becky spot. But then they also had a competitive match the next night. Doesn't really make sense, but at least we got to see it. And that was a good match with uh, Ruby Riot and uh, Ronda Rousey. But, dude, they yeah. open it up. They're like, we got the NXT guys coming out. It's going to be such a different night. We got four talents. So, yeah. And then all of a sudden, Baron Corbin against fucking Braun Strowman in a table match. Now, I will give them this, and this is what I'm complaining about. That was a way better match, though, than the one they fucking gave us on the goddamn pay-per-view. It was probably about the same amount of time. And why couldn't we get that? Why did we even have to get two of them? It was so stupid. Wins losses do not matter at all in, in WWE. I, I mean, I, I don't know at all. And I, I'm like I said, to me, you could have made Drew McIntyre look very strong and set up a match in the future with Braun and Drew. <sighs> God, all right. I'm but done talking about this whatever. bullshit. Sometimes they make wrestling too hard in WWE. Like, honestly. They really do. It's not like I'm saying anything that's fucking crazy and has never been done before in the wrestling business. Okay, man. Nick, just, 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 just clone Gato, just please, and just have him go over there and help him out. All right. Backstage, Miz got upset that he let everyone down, and Shane was like, dude, what the fuck are you freaking out about? Get the hell out of here. And so he sent him home. All right, and then Lacey Evans showed up. She walked down the ramp, then walked up, and that was it. I don't know why it happened. Uh, it happened again on Monday Night Raw, but it, it, it had a really awkward scene with Heavy Machinery trying to do the same thing, but then they were doing the Bushwhackers. I guess they're the Bushwhackers. Vince thinks of them as the Bushwhackers is basically what the fuck all that means. Um, so, yeah, that's Nate. All right, so the last match, which was the best thing on the card, if, yeah, probably my favorite match, you know, uh, was the Elimination Chamber match between Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, and Kofi Kingston. All right, I'm going to just go over to the eliminations, and then we'll go over some of our favorite spots in it, Chris. All right, Styles eliminated Joe first with a phenomenal forearm. Probably my biggest critique is the fact that that happened. 
but whatever. I think he fucking lost in the Royal Rumble first, too. I don't remember. All right. Hardy hit a swanton bomb from the top of the chamber pod onto Styles, dra- draped across the top turnbuckle, but walked into a running knee from Brian and was eliminated. Orton uh, countered a phenomenal forearm into an RKO to eliminate Styles. Kingston countered an RKO with the Trouble in Paradise to eliminate Orton. Brian and Kingston fought each other with all they had, but Kingston missed a splash from the top of the pod and got hit with a running knee for the loss. This match was fucking awesome. One of the best Elimination Chamber matches I've seen just because of the audience participation just made you get out of your seat and stand up and watch. And I think everyone pretty much was like, is Kofi going to fucking win this? And it was much like when we watched the gauntlet match, obviously, when he beat fucking Samoa Joe and then also uh, beat Jeff Hardy pretty much back-to-back after beating the champion. Like, it, it was awesome. Obviously, yes, to an extent, it kind of sucks because I don't know if they were going to – we're going to go as far as I think they might with Kofi, but this is supposed to be Mustafa Ali's spot. Luckily, the big thing that I'm looking at, that even if this is a blessing in disguise, Kofi has now gotten himself over to the fans, at least, of you know the big fans, probably, I would say, right underneath Becky now, like at least a second, like even if there's a big dip between the two, if, if you want to put that – He's up there now because of this. And uh, I don't think that Ali would have gotten the same reaction. I think Ali has a very long career ahead of them. They already think highly of him. So they'll do stuff with them. Kofi has been fucking doing this for a while. I want Kofi with that championship. That's really what it comes down to is just watch, watching him fucking work that hard and being there as long as he was and just after that other grueling-ass match and he just kept on coming back. There were so many good spots in this match. It was awesome. Very, very well booked. I wouldn't have had Samoa Joe go out that quickly, though. Um, but, wow. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pass it to you, Chris. I'm going to try to think more clearly about certain things. Uh, to me, Samoa Joe going out. I mean, this is just speculation, but Samoa Joe going out first kind of seemed like punishment for him re-injuring Mustafa Ali at a house show. So they probably just I, to me that's what it seemed like. Um, outside of that, I thought that I thought there were some good spots in the match. I to me the big one was Kofi countering the RKO. I thought was great. Just knowing the lineage of Kofi's career and the fact that when he was getting a push, it's kind of well known that Randy is one of the ones that shot it down. So that was a fun moment. And they even did a callback to it on SmackDown, which we'll talk about hopefully talk about later. Um, and another spot, I mean, I just thought that they did really good storytelling of making, like, well, him and Daniel Bryan both, of Kofi actually having a shot of winning that title. And he made his jump off the top mean a lot because you're like, he's done everything to try to beat Bryan at this point. He's going for it. And that's what that spot should be and what it should mean. And, and for the match to end the way it did with Day coming out, I, that, those were some of my favorite moments of the match. I thought it was really good. I think it really picked up when it was just Brian and Kofi, and they were able to do some actual storytelling. The rest of the chamber match felt like a chamber match to me, with the exception of, for the first time in a long time, I actually wanted a babyface to win for a legitimate reason and felt, like, really passionate about it, which is something that they haven't been able to do organically in a really long time. And, I mean, Kofi's always been over, but he's fucking huge now. And and well-deserved, too. I mean, like... There's nothing negative you could, I could really say about Kofi Kingston, honestly. That, you know, he doesn't have the look of what you would, your prototypical champion would be, but neither does Daniel Bryan, and that's not that shouldn't be the point anymore. They should just see that 
a guy like Kofi's worked his ass off and kind of at this point, I mean, he's, to me, I think he is more over than Becky, but it's probably a spur of the moment thing. I think Becky's will probably last yeah. a bit longer unless Kofi gets the title. If Kofi gets the title and we get New Day celebration at WrestleMania or some shit that we might be talking <laughs> talking a bit differently. I have I goosebumps right now. You're saying that. I also I just love the reaction yeah. of Big E and uh, Xavier Woods on Twitter. If you haven't checked out their Twitter, like Xavier Woods is making video montages of Kofi and the New Day and everything they've been through. How he, before the year's up, he wants Kofi and the New Day to have all of the titles on SmackDown. Well, not all of them, but at least the heavyweight title and the tag championship title, like the tag championship. Uh, There's just been yeah. some really good stuff behind that. And, like, to be honest, New Day has been over for a very fucking long time, and they're not always pushed the best, but they always find a way to stay relevant. And Kofi's fucking has proven that he can work with these guys and have great some great fucking matches. Like, this was a good match. I would love to see him and Daniel Bryan. I mean, obviously having Daniel Bryan as opponent goes a long way. Um, the one thing I will say is him hitting, once again, they did the same kind of a similar uh, spot in this match where he hits Trouble in Paradise and, like, basically Brian no-sells it, similar to the skull-crushing finale and the Uso no-selling it. I think Brian Alvarez pointed that out. So when I went back and watched the matches, it stood out, like, blatantly. Um, so hopefully WWE's not going to start doing that shit where everyone's just going to no-sell finishers because <sighs> that's not good. Uh, no. Outside of that, like, I fucking really like the match. I really am cheering hard for Kofi. I hope this isn't just going to be a blow-off at fast lane. Kofi Mania, man. That's what everyone's saying is Kofi Mania. So, that's, you know, you could you could take one year of not pissing the fans off and just do something fun. It's not going to hurt Daniel Bryan. <laughs> and it'll probably actually, yeah. actually make you a huge baby face that you can book around and book his tag team around. And you can book to a bigger angle where they turn on each other eventually. So you have something kind of pre-built there that it's basically, it, I mean, it's it basically was gifted to them because Mustafa Ali got hurt. <laughs> and the fans were like, yep. fuck yeah, Kofi, am I right? You know, like, it, they should nail this. So if they screw it up, it's, it's on WWE. Well, and that's the thing is like, uh, is, Will they really do it? Will they pull the trigger? Will they just give us a feel-good moment? This seems very similar. I don't. I don't think you can say it's like Dan O'Brien because that was. I mean, just it just resonated so much. Like this is going to be big, but it kind of reminds me of when. And I and I, if they want to do it at Fastlane and him defend it at Mania, that's fine because then it would be very similar to Eddie Guerrero, uh, the pay-per-view right before Mania when he beat. Uh, Brock Lesnar and a lot of people just did not see that coming you know obviously there's a lot of differences between Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar but you get what I'm saying you know just just getting Kofi to get this damn title it would be awesome it would be a lot of fun you know it's not like you got two fucking world heavyweight titles you can give one to people you know we've seen people that have gotten titles in the past that I'm not going to say might have deserved it for right then and there being over or whatever, but because of their legendary status. And I'm not going to point to anyone because it's just my opinion, but still, you know, Kofi deserves it for many reasons. And right now he's on fire. And if it's like, this is what WWE did with Becky and they're doing, I think correctly for the most part, you know, at least listening to us, 
If he's over, fucking just put him over. There is no person in the back I can think of that's going to be like, no, don't do it. You know, I, I, I can't, like, besides obviously Vince and stuff like that, I can't see Road Dog. I can't see Triple H having a problem with this. Randy Orton probably wants to make amends for all that other bullshit, you know. So I, I'm assuming that he would definitely not be one of those people. Daniel Bryan would have no problem giving fucking Kofi the title and having a longer storyline because I'm sure that they could keep on doing this for like a little while after Mania if they wanted to. Uh, AJ, do you think he's going to have a problem with fucking Kofi getting it? Like all the major guys would probably be like, yeah, fucking give it to Kofi. Let him do it, dude. Like let's put on some good matches. I, I can't see any of them being negative about this. This is really, when it comes down to it, Chris, a Vince decision. And I'm just saying, you know, when it comes to the lineage of the WWE title, not the World Heavyweight title, in which Booker T had that, Mark Henry um, and Ron Simmons all have that title, besides The Rock, who's half Samoan, obviously, they've never had an African-American champion. Kofi Kingston seems like a really smart choice for that for many reasons, and he deserves it, and he, you know, I don't know. Do you agree with me? Like, I, just fucking do it. But will they do it? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on many levels. I don't know that they will do it, but I, I hope they do. I think it would be a great idea. Uh, and like I said, I, there's pre-built storylines that you can go into uh, coming out of it. But, ah, man, it's just such a weird, weird uh, situation because I just – them bringing Rowan back just leads me to believe that fucking out Bray is coming. So, hopefully this is not just a build-up where Kofi gets screwed at Fastlane and it's Bray versus Daniel Bryan. And, hey, I don't know. Uh, I hope that's not the God. case. I hope I'm completely wrong. Maybe they look at how big Kofi actually is right now and they go, scratch that. It makes that. sense, though. Because why is Eric Rowan with that, them? What's Luke Harper doing? And then you have Bray, who they've had all that pass. Yeah, you could definitely fucking do that if you wanted to. But would that make Daniel Bryan a baby face because he's a heel now? I don't know. I mean, maybe. Or, or, or you make Bray the baby face, right? Yeah. Hey, man, I, I don't you know, know what I'm saying? We have a baby face, man. I, I do know that on the Observer's podcast with Meltzer and – he was talking about people that they're talking about for Mania. Kofi was not currently the guy for the match. So take that for what it is. That shit can change at any point in time, but that is what apparently Dave Meltzer has heard. Hopefully that's not the case because I think seeing Kofi Mania was trending on Twitter yesterday and today (laughs) at various points would hope that they would take a look at that and go, hey, man, what if we just did something fun for the fans and we gave them both Becky winning and Kofi winning and we just had a fun Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, God, that would be so amazing. Just have a bunch of great matches, fucking Seth wins, Becky wins. Fucking, just let all the baby faces win, all right, man? Or just at least have good matches. That's what I really care about, you know. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, well, this gives you the this gives you the get out of jail free card. If, you, if Kofi if Kofi wins and Becky wins, people will forget that Seth Rollins loses to Lesnar. So it gives you kind of a get out of jail free card on at least one of those matches, right? But I, I like your idea of doing yeah. it at Fastlane too. I, I don't think that that's a bad idea, just because it's fucking mania, you know. Like it, it would be a huge moment, yeah. and I think it would be great to see. <laughs> 
celebration with the new day in the ring. And I think all of that would be awesome, but it, it also would be the same. I think fans would feel the same way if it happened in fast. It just, it would be like, really what cool. If they just, mania? <laughs> you know? What if they just did what we would like them to do? That would be crazy. <laughs> all right. A couple things on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, mainly let's go over this whole entire um, call up or I think more of what I think is a highlight, if you will. I think one thing I will say is that there have been a lot of, uh, and maybe you've heard Metzler talking about this, I'm not sure, but like a lot of hubbub about one of the sister stations of uh, Fox being interested in putting NXT on their programming, or at least a wrestling program. So um, that's something to think about of why these guys were here. Uh, I don't think personally that they're jumping because they were on both brands and it seemed they have, they're in the midst of storylines, all of them right now. So maybe after mania, uh, we'll see that obviously one of them is the North American champion. The other one is the world heavyweight champion. So, um, not, not directly now, but it's kind of cool. I know they've done stuff like this with Charlotte, with Kevin, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn in the past. This is how at least for the most part, and I do have some criticisms, but compared to the last group of guys, this is how you premiere people. You do these large video packages. You have them just come out. The people that know them, by the way, before we say about Raw, Lafayette, if if it's not that far of a, a distance to New Orleans, make those motherfuckers drive to go to the next goddamn fucking show because that audience was terrible. The The audience on SmackDown in New Orleans which is a lesser fucking – and they, they didn't sell out there – was louder for all the stuff than the fucking Raw audience. Drive, drove me crazy. Um, either way, uh, you know, we had Aleister Black, Ricochet, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa all show up, all have different matches, uh, ones that make a little bit of sense, some of them not so much, but still fun showing. Uh, and uh, I wonder, you know, what, what this means with them. Um, just uh, interesting stuff in general. Uh, Chris, how did you like the call-ups, especially compared to how they handled the uh, the uh, the mid-card call-ups, if you will, right before this with Heavy Machinery and all those guys? Well, I, the Heavy Machinery one, I was I was perfectly fine with. I think that's was okay. I had more of a problem with. I I think that Alistair Black's call-up was a little wasted, just because of what. I mean, at the height of him in NXT, I, I just assumed that they would have done a bit more. Ricochet's call-up was, was pretty, I thought, was fitting. They kind of kept him away from Bobby Lashley. He worked a lot with Leo Rush in that match, which I thought was a little... I don't know if that was, like, just because they didn't... I don't know if they just didn't want the two to collide or what, but it, that that seemed a little off. But outside of that, I mean, it was kind of cool. I didn't like Ciampa kind of playing the baby face and then say, I don't know, to me, that makes me think that DIY is just going to be a tag team, which I'm not super stoked on. Um, and the crowd sucked, which I, you know, I feel like it was a crowd that used to like wrestling and came to a wrestling event and hadn't watched it in a long time because it didn't seem like they knew a lot of these NXT people. Like, yeah, uh, it, it definitely was not your... Monday night after Mania crowds or anything. Um, it's just just strange, strange atmosphere, especially with the call-ups. You, you would think people were more into it, but they really weren't. But I, I like the way that they debuted this group of people way more than the last set. 
and it kind of points to them having a little bit more faith in this group than I think like an EC3. I don't, I mean, I don't know how else to put it, but this is how they should be doing it. And I like the idea of them trans transferring back and forth between NXT and the main roster. I don't see a problem with that. I actually think it should probably work both ways so that you don't end up with a situation like Ty Dillinger where you're like, oh shit, we pulled the trigger too quick because you can always send him back down to NXT to work magic and have good matches. As long as you're keeping him at the top of the card, wrestling against other people, you can still build him up. And even if that means you take 30 minutes of your precious Raw and you show some NXT storylines and maybe some NXT matches, it's better than a lot of the filler that they do on that. So it's three hours. Yeah, it's three. It's three fucking yeah. hours. Like you, and even if it is a, even if it is a rerun from what NXT was, there's still ways to get those matches on the card. Like WCW used to do that towards, um, and Impact does that now where they'll take a classic match and throw it on. Just instead of a classic match, throw on like an NXT match or throw on a classic NXT match starring one of these guys that you're trying to highlight. Like there's ways to book them to make them look stronger. And I think that they're at least trying it with this round of recruits, which I'm feeling much better about than I did with what they did with the other people that uh, brought that out. Yeah, I I think that that's the, the... What Vince thinks of the people, except I think Nikki has potential, obviously, because she was getting over a lot more with the audience. They knew her, uh, but that whole entire group just seems like you know the 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 B level guys. I hate to say that, uh, but you know they even EC3 they they played their exact same things um, over and over again. Uh, back to back, it wasn't as effective. What did he with all, all four of these guys got a really, really nice, well done production, you know, of a background, stuff like that, before their big match on SmackDown and like little vignettes on Raw. So I think it was a lot more effective. They definitely see more potential, I would say, uh, within all that. But um, yeah, just, uh, just. Just uh, interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll go through it. We're going to go through this pretty quickly because we don't have too much more time. Um, okay. So, yeah, we already talked about Triple H calling, talking about the call-ups. Uh, Braun Strowman, Baron Corbin, we talked about that a little bit. Paul Heyman came out, got attacked by Baron Corbin, acted like he got molested after the commercials came back, and showed a video uh, of, uh, well, uh, him putting over Brock Lesnar. It was actually a pretty cool two-part package of his career that they would show throughout the whole entire thing. Um, Balor came up. It just set up a match with, with one of them, with Ricochet and Finn Balor going against Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush. Ricochet and Leo Rush are good friends in real life. They work together in PWG and many other places like a million times. So they, this was a pretty good match. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Bobby Lashley was definitely the guy out of place. Uh, but... You know, it was a good show, and I think uh, Ricochet, and he uh, pinned Rush with the six, uh, 630 senton. I do not know how he makes it look that easy to do that, by the way. It's just fucking crazy. Um, Chris, did you want to comment on that match? No, I mean, I think you pretty much – I think I pretty, you pretty much summed it up on that one, honestly. Uh, I don't I, – <laughs> uh, Ricochet, obviously, yeah. stand out. Yep, Lucha House Party defeated Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins. Hawkins got the pin. Who gives a shit? I'm sorry. I just don't care. Uh, Heavy Machinery got interviewed on stage. I was all that stuff with Lacey Evans. That was weird and awkward. 
Um, and then, yeah, we had Gargano and Ciampa going against a revival. It was cool just them setting this up because Bobby Roode and uh, Chad Gable are saying they didn't deserve it. You know, it was a non-title match, but, you know, Gargano and Ciampa, I like that they tried to make it look like there's still resentment. Like, I remember even at the end of the match, Johnny Gargano or uh, Ciampa tried to, like, put his hand on Gargano's shoulder, and Gargano kind of, like, knocked it off because it, it goes with what's going on right now in the storyline. Like, they don't know how to they don't know how to react towards each other. But, uh, yeah, the audience just fucking sucks. That's all I got to say about that. Um, did you like this match at all, Chris, between uh, the old the old Revival? It was it was basically like an NXT match with them, but obviously these, these two could do a hell of a lot more, but it's not a pay-per-view. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, obviously we've Same seen stuff. better matches between two, but it was – I thought it was a fun match, probably one of the better matches of the night, if not the best match of the night. And it, it looked good for DIY. The only thing I will say is, it, like I said, Ciampa was playing a face, which I wasn't super stoked on. Yeah, I agree. Like, they had to keep him, like, in the – yeah, it was it was very awkward having him be the face in the tag match. Um, Bailey and Sasha came out, and they said that, like I said, they're going to take on everyone. They were interrupted by Naya and T- Tamina. Uh, so I think that's going to be the match at Fastlane, I'm assuming, and then that will keep Nia and Tamina out of uh, WrestleMania. Then Dean Ambrose went against Drew McIntyre. He started – this is the Dean Ambrose I like. This is always the Dean Ambrose I like. That doesn't really try to be a baby face, but, like, you know, back – all right, when he first started in S.H.I.E.L.D., you had Dean Ambrose that was really, really, really aggressive and over the top. He kind of had that going into it. Then after Brock Lesnar, he kind of just got goofy and just really just like kind of out of nowhere. One of my favorite parts pre-WrestleMania is when he just punched uh, Chris Jericho in the face, causing a huge riot between both teams, you know, that stuff. And uh, I guess as he's going out, they just don't really give a shit. He's going to fucking lose like he did to a Claymore kick from Drew McIntyre in this match. But it was just funny when Seth's getting the thing in the back and, like, he comes up and he's like, where, where were you? And he's like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, are you really that, like, dense in the head and crazy? And he's like, eh, whatever, and just walks off. I don't have a problem with that, you know, because it, he's, he's done, you know, I don't – they fucked they fucked Dean Ambrose up, the, that character. And uh, I, I hope he goes elsewhere. And, uh, yeah, I, what, what did you think about this? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a really funny segment. Chris? Oh, Chris. Uh-oh, I think that we might have lost Chris. Um, hold on, guys. Well, we're under 10 minutes, so... It's a little bit awkward. If I can just figure out how to do this, that would be great. How are you guys doing out there? I'm trying to remember what the uh, last thing that we were talking about. Uh, it was definitely on Raw. Uh, oh, yeah, Dean Ambrose acting like a goof. Isn't he fun? I do miss Dean Ambrose when it comes to that type of stuff. Uh, all right, let's figure this out so we can close out the show. Um, And there you are. There you are. Hey, sorry about that. No, all I was saying uh, is I like the, the goofy Dean Ambrose segment. I thought that was was fun. I kind of wish they could have did this spot with Sonya Blade that I brought up earlier, but outside of that, yeah, it was pretty funny. All right, we had Alistair Black defeating Elias. You know, they've they've fought each other over in NXT before. 
I I feel that for Elias. You know, he was pretty over, and I don't think that I don't I don't know exactly what they're doing with him. But I, I was happy that you know Alistair Black hit the Black Mass. Um, the they didn't really give a shit in Lafayette. But uh, then the Raw Women's Championship match, Ronda Rousey defeated Ruby Wright. We talked about that. She won with Narnbar. Um, any comments on that before we kind of go over like a couple things on SmackDown, Chris? No, outside of I just kind of wish they would have saved Alistair Black do something a little more special with him because of, because of his character mostly. But the, the match itself I found pretty entertaining. Uh, Raw itself was decent except for the crowd. I mean, the crowd killed a yeah. lot of these matches. You could kind of tell the it. matches so, were good. Yeah, you could tell that the um, the performers themselves were getting a little disheartened by the crowd. And then, of course, like I said, they were in New Orleans the next night at the uh, the Smoothie Center, and people were just happy as soon as Shane McMahon came out. Talked about how those the, the same guys from NXT were going to be there. Uh, Miz interrupted him, came out, cried a lot. I didn't really give a shit. And then afterwards, the Usos walked out, talked some trash. Now we're getting that match again at Fastlane. Fuck my life. All right, Alistair Black defeated Andre. Uh, Andrede, I mean, San almost uh, Black connected to Black Mass for the pinfall. Weird that his wife, his now wife, Selena Vega, was, you know, telling Andrade to go against him. Stuff I think about when I know shit like that. But, uh, you know... Uh, good. These guys put on great matches. It's very much like the revival DIY. They can just work well together because they have a bunch. A lot of people are worried about Andrade. I'm not because I think they're going to continue him and Ray after this. I believe that's going to build a mania, and I think Ray is going to put him over. That's what I'm assuming at least. And he's already lost to Alistair Black. Alistair Black's always been a problem for Andrade in the past, so I didn't mind the outcome. Uh, Chris, real quick, what did you think about that? I actually preferred this match um, over the first Aleister Black match on Raw, so it, yeah. it wasn't as much as they normally do, but it was still a good match and a good opener. Yeah, Gargano and Ciampa defeated the bar. Uh, Ciampa got a blind tag on Gargano and rolled up Sheamus for the win. Before that, there was a really scary spot where uh, Ciampa was on the top ropes, and they tried to do a sunset. It was uh, him and uh, Sheamus. They tried to do a sunset flip, and uh, – not only did uh, Sheamus fall on Tommaso Ciampa's knee, which we all know he has bad knees, but he also landed really awkwardly on his own back, and it was just like something that messed up, obviously, between their weight, so it was kind of scary. Um, Asuka said she wanted a new challenge, and uh, basically Mandy Rose interrupted her, came out, because of Lacey Evans' bullshit, got a win uh, against Asuka, so I guess they're going to go in the next thing, I don't know who Austin's going against for Mania. Ricochet defeated Eric Young. I think they could have put him with someone else, but I'm glad to see Eric Young. And then um, Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, Kofi Kingston defeated Randy Orton, Daniel Bryan, and Samoa Joe. And Shane said that Kofi Mania will be happening. We're going to get Kofi against Daniel Bryan at Vaseline. Uh, real quick, tell me your last thoughts about SmackDown and tell everyone, uh, you know, good night. Well, just really quick, I really enjoyed the part where Kofi – uh, called Randy Orton stupid in a throwback to the time that Randy Orton called Kofi stupid in that match. So if you're a fan of Kofi, go back and watch that. It was great. Um, Rick's show match was fine. Mandy Rose beating Asuka, I think that's just a fast lane match. I think they are going to try to do Lacey Evans versus Asuka at Mania, which I, I'm not a huge fan of. Oh, no. Outside of that, you guys well, have a great week. 
Yep, and you guys have a great night. Thank you so much for listening, and catch us back next Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST, for another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Peace out, and let the geek buys be with you.